As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. So I wondered on last week's show whether or not the PSG tie was going to be fun or not and I decided no matter how it went down that I wouldn't enjoy it. Honestly, I don't know why you lot listen to me sometimes. It might have been right about the first half but that second half was an absolute hoot. The win at Palace then couldn't have gone much better either and it put City on the verge of winning the title. I'm David Mooney. I'm joined by Sam Lee. Hi, Sam. Yeah, hello. Uh, all things considered, not a bad week for City, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's been pretty good and I mean could be massively top next week really well this week by the time people listen to it uh yeah things are going pretty well at the minute without wanting to jinx anything indeed uh, you can subscribe to the athletic right now for a price of three pounds 99 a month for six months that's 40 percent off the full price and you'll get access to great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad free versions of our podcasts as well so go to the athletic.com forward slash man city pod to get this special 40 percent discount that's the athletic.com forward slash man city pod um so let's kick off with uh the i know the crystal palace game has happened sam but let's be honest all the all the talk is about psg um we were talking on last week's show what a good result would be. Um, I, I guess you can't really argue with 2-1 away from home, can you? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like like I said at the time, I think that question was, oh yeah, I presume you mean a good result that's not a win, because a win is, would be amazing. And that's what they got. Um, I feel a bit bad for the listeners, really, in the sense that we're doing this on Sunday night. You know, we'd, we'd hung on to see what was going to happen in the United game, and nothing has happened, obviously. Um, but also, it's so very much Sunday night vibes, but also very much ahead of the second leg vibes, which are very different to immediately after the first leg. Yeah, like it almost feels like like if City had lost two one, just in a hypothetical tie, you'd be annoyed on the night and in the days after. But then as the second leg comes around, you're like, actually, away goal, blah blah, we can do this. But it's always funny because then when you win two one, even though it's away from home, it's always like, oh god. There's this, that, and the other, and the closer you get to the game, the kind, the more, the more nervous you get, and the more that you know. Last week it was one, one foot in the 
Champions League final and now it's oh I don't know like nothing's sure yet there's still 90 minutes to go and well yeah I, so we've we've missed out on giving fans that wasn't that great last night and now it's oh god what's going to happen on Tuesday well I was going to say like in terms of tempering it if City had lost 2-1 last week I'd probably be feeling more confident than I am at 2-1 up <laughs> right now and that makes yeah, no, absolutely right. no sense it's no. nonsensical I, I, I know yeah, yeah. Um, I, the, the question is <laughs> like the way the game had gone like should yeah. it have been more could they have gone for it a bit more huh. Uh, yeah, I think there was probably an opportunity in the last 10 minutes, but I mean, we know this team by now and I'm not going to talk for five minutes to explain it, but like, you know, do you remember when we talked about the game at Old Trafford, the nil-nil and how he didn't want to push in the last 15 minutes, even though, well, fans, me, you know, everyone felt United were there for the taking, bring on some attacking subs, you know, bring on Foden for a winner but obviously Guardiola wanted to keep things tight because he was worried that you know Rashford and Martial whoever was on the pitch would get spaces to counter-attack in and City would lose and as well as the season has gone since then because it was basically turned around like the week after I think there's still the roots of that in the last 10-15 minutes against PSG and obviously understandably so because I think they've done so well to, to keep a lid on Mbappe and Neymar in particular in the second half I think they were probably thinking, we don't want to let this slip now. And look, if they get to the final over two legs, you can say it's really good game management. But you could probably also argue that a team that was probably a bit more sure of themselves in this competition might have gone for it. But look, this is the stage that you're at, you know, second semi-final ever. And this was the first semi-final they've actually had a go in. So I can, the, I can see why they didn't go for it. I, I was going to say, it's a very, it's a very very fine balancing act, isn't it? Because well, we come away from that game with a 2-1 lead and, and we all go, actually, that's a, that's a great result. None of, us, none, of us, none of us really expected that sort of result coming out of that first leg. We were no. talking about whether it was going to be, you know, whether a narrow defeat with an away goal was a good result, whether, you know, if they can get away there with a score draw, they've done very well. And so they're coming away with a 2-1 victory. And okay, they're playing 10 men in the final kind of 10-15 minutes or so. And okay, there was they dominated that second half to the point where you know PSG was so frustrated that it had caused that red card. That that red card was born, <laughs> born out of out of pure frustration, wasn't it? And so the fact is, Guardiola's looked at it and gone, yeah, maybe there is another goal in this. But if we concede now, we'll be kicking ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like like I say, there's probably a bit of element of being fickle about this because if they do get through, you can say it is great management of a tie. But I do I do think it is. Because, like I said at half time, when City weren't playing well by any means, like I wasn't big enough the performance, but I was like, look, it's not terrible, terrible. They're still in it. You know, there's still three halves of football to go, there's still three quarters of the tie to go. Um, they're still in it. They've not, and that's obviously with the context of City conceding goals in the Champions League and then opening up and conceding more. And they managed that situation very well in both Dortmund games. Uh, and obviously they, they did it again against PSG without being brilliant in the first half. And then, yeah, it did at least give them the platform uh, to turn it around because they obviously thought, oh, I think it's what Guardiola said, you don't you don't win a two-legged tie in the first leg, but you can lose it, which again is like, it's, it's ironic because if you lose it, then the other team's winning it. But yeah. <laughs> it, it means you can throw it away. You can't sew it up, but you can throw it away. Um and I think, yeah, I, I think we saw that all the way through. But I mean, the, the thing about the last 10, 15 minutes is Rodri, a couple of times running into the box ahead of the ball, and then, which was just like really kind of dangerous, really, because, you know, if they'd turned it over, he'd have been massively out of position. I mean, look, maybe there was good cover there, but I remember thinking, where are you going? Um, and then some passes where he could have just released De Bruyne down the left on the counter attack. It's mad. Like, Rodri seems less sure of himself in 
Champions League games. But just if you're thinking back to like that one bad pass at the end of the Gladbach first leg, you know, he just gave it to Wolf, was it? And then obviously he did a couple against Dortmund in the first leg and stuff. But I suppose it's to be expected as well because how old is he? 23, 24? Yeah, and, you know, still he's young. going to feel pressure. It's probably going to be in the biggest game. So I can understand that a bit. But in the last 10, 10 15 minutes, it did seem like he was actually trying to, to crack on and, and get something done. I, I suppose the big regret in terms of the biggest chance was partly because it would have been 3-1, partly because it might have been the best goal ever, as I talked about last week. But that run where Foden just ran through the middle of everyone. It's like, oh my God. Because it, it's that thing again, is how has he got this far? Like, how has he beaten so many men so quickly? And, oh God, look where he is now. Like, once he once he puts the finish on the end of one of those, it's it's going to be special. It's going to be special. I want to, I want to touch on... Um the 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 contrast in the half Sam because you have you've got much more of a of a tactical than I I than I have um about how City are playing what what changed for City in the second half because they they uh, they started the game like playing quite safely and, and 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 as much of the ball as they had they had very little control of the game and then the second half City they still had control of the ball but they just didn't let PSG out of their own half what 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 was different because because personnel wise it was exactly the same yeah well one thing i want to mention well two things i want to mention one is my tactical eye is bloody hell like it, it's a long way to go it's better um, than, definitely better than mine though i'm not going to well like... possibly yeah um but i mean look i have to you know i read a lot of articles about what city did uh, but another thing that i just cuz i've not mentioned it yet and i wonder if any listeners thought the same? I wonder if you noticed. But in the first five minutes, so like in the first five minutes, City had a lot of the ball, but it wasn't like, oh, this is bad like it was at half time. But I was like, it's weird because City were passing the ball around a lot, but it was in areas they never normally pass it around. And it was in our body positions. Like Walker was kind of getting the ball, but he was kind of half, well, more than half turned back towards his own goal. There was none of the usual body positioning and it was just like, they, they are passing it, but they can't get out of their own half and it was just it was just really unusual to see I felt like that and I suppose that was the problem. I felt they were under pressure. Like, like I felt like, yeah. like, they were they were almost coping with the pressure. I, I always used to say, and it, it sounds it's going to be a weird comparison, but bear with me. Um, when Colo yeah. Torre used to get on the ball for City, he, and he passed, he always passed it, and he always played like he was on the verge of the wheels about to fall off the runaway train. And okay. that's kind of how I felt about City's passing and, and passing under pressure in the first half against PSG. They were they were getting it to other blue shirts. Well, it was it was the away shirt but they were they were getting it to um up to up to their to their teammates other Paisley um, shirts yeah but it was it was almost like hot potato i've got it like I, i've i've oh i've only just got it there and then they've got to control yeah, it, it and then oh i've only just i've so. only just made the next pass sort of thing and like you talk about was it like the u shape basically around the box there was nothing going into the box was there and it wasn't even anything on the edge of the box it was just kind of down the wings and in front of the 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 defensive midfielders again and around to the other side of the pitch and there was nothing but to answer the question what changed and the kind of things I noticed and the kind of things we pieced together well the first thing I noticed the most obvious thing was Foden had come inside um, but I think that was by virtue of Guardiola sending the fullbacks further forward because in the first half they were obviously staying back with a watching brief of don't leave too much space in behind you which Cancelo still managed like every time they switched I think what I think part of the issue was City when they get balls played up through their lines to a forward or a midfielder in front of their defence, they go very narrow. And I think Pacino probably noticed that from the Dortmund games and kept people wide. So the kind of job was for Cancelo to come inside, but also to or be inside and then 
get back to the left and he wasn't doing it and Foden had to track back up a couple of times but basically the fullbacks weren't contributing too much so City had fewer bodies forward and they couldn't really create any overloads or superiority or anything like that so second half they went forward a bit more obviously there was a bigger change when Cancelo had gone off but the change had already kind of happened by then um, Just yeah just because they were pushed forward a bit more and then City had more men inside Foden had gone inside um, and that helped them control the game better they were you know I've explained it a lot recently and written about it a lot Guardiola wants all the players close together short passes and they had more of that he said they were rushing in the first half which I somebody actually said at half time he thought they were rushing and I thought I didn't think they were I just thought they were just being slow and didn't really have anywhere to go but Guardiola said they were they were rushing the passes and in the second half they they took uh, more time and then the other thing off the ball is this is just something I saw from a video I can't remember what I can't remember if it was an original original video by one of the city accounts or they just retweeted it but it was about how they how they shackled Neymar and in the first half they just kind of let him turn get the ball in front of the defence and, and he was running the show or at least he was strutting around like Neymar can do but in the second half they were just straight through the back of him Yeah. Um, and there, it, the video was really good because it highlighted Guardiola shouting to, to Ruben Diaz because I think Diaz had followed him up the pitch but then had to drop back and he didn't pass him on and you could hear Guardiola on the sideline saying signal, signal because I think he was saying tell somebody else to pick him up and it was normally Gundogan so those are the kind of things they did at half time to to control the ball in possession, but also just to stop Neymar getting it. And I bet Neymar genuinely did nothing second half, did he? Yeah. I, and then I, they, they, they struggled to even get it to Mbappe. Yeah. I thought of you when uh, he made the change, Zinchenko for Can, for Cancelo, you know, um, because when when it happened, I I, I, I was thinking, you know, I, I think that's a bit harsh because Cancelo's been better in this second half. But there was a moment where like he kept getting into the box and he kept he kept getting free on the on the left hand side and then kind of cutting it back and you know wriggling and he had to beat his man two or three times to get into a dangerous position and I, so I could see the thinking get Zinchenko on get a left footer on that side move Foden a little bit further inside and then Zinchenko can kind of get round the back a lot quicker but there was a couple mm. of moments where the where it broke down ahead of him. And then, and Cancelo kind of half stepped to the ball and then thought, oh shit, no, I can't do that because I'm leaving a lot of space in behind me. And then he was kind of trapped in no man's land. And if, if they'd been a little bit quicker to play out, there might have been an opportunity there. And it made me think of, of the times when we talked about that weakness of Cancelo stepping up and um, like the, the, the Manchester Derby goal, effectively. Um, where yes. where he'd stepped yeah, up, and I thought, right back and, and I yeah, wondered yeah. if that was if that was the contributing factor more than anything else that that Guardiola thought Zinchenko needs to come on here. Oh yeah, that's a good question. That's a good point. That's a good point. Possibly because like I tweeted it at the time, but like if you're getting taken off after sixty minutes by Pep this season, you've had a shocker. Yeah, because <laughs> he because he because he doesn't change it, does he? And like, that was that was the interesting thing about when Jesus came on for Bernardo in the first leg against Dortmund. And he came on after about 58 minutes, but he was on the bench for about five minutes. I was like, wow, he must really not be happy with Bernardo here. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think it was just the overall the positioning. Like I say, he was never quite... And when, So when I say he was in the middle and then they switched the ball to what would have been PSG's right wing, City's left back, and you think, where's the left back? The only time I've ever really thought that in the last few years was the very first game when City played an inverted left back. Um, was Chelsea, Stamford Bridge, you know, the famous De Bruyne goal with the yeah. the purple burgundy kit. And that was when Dalf did it for the first time. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, hold on, what's going on? There's a massive space. I was like, Dalf, what are you doing? And then obviously, like, after that, he never really put a foot wrong positionally in all the 
all the players have got it. But that's what he reminded me of. But there was also, he was giving the ball away a bit. And I, I thought you might say as well, when he was giving the ball away, he then, when he went to tackle, he then didn't tackle anyway. And it was just like, or he made a foul and it was just like, oh, that's just so frustrating. Like, mate, what are you doing? And obviously Guardiola just thought, yeah, get him off. And maybe, maybe it's the element of, like you say, cutting inside a lot. It's just slow. Like, you need to be quicker. Like, And that's where the element of, left foot on the left side works and, and makes things a bit quicker. And obviously Stones and Diaz, he's found a way that where he's obviously thinking, well, what these guys give me is more important than that slickness and we can make up for it in other ways. But maybe it's harder then if you haven't got a left foot and left back to do it. And it's yeah. interesting actually that Cancelo, having lost his place from, from the Dortmund first leg, I was convinced it was after the first leg and the Leeds game simply compounded it. And then obviously got back in by playing really well at Wembley to now get subbed off after an hour. Like I'd, I'd be surprised if he, if he starts again, especially because he started at Palace. So well, I was going to say interesting little one. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Let's look at that second leg, because I'm wondering if the only change to that starting lineup is that Zinchenko comes in for Cancelo. Would that would that Probably, make sense? Yeah. I think so, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, there's been a few comments on the Q&A and on my article about Aguero, which was up on on Sunday. Um, about people, you know, the possibility of Aguero playing is like, oh, come on, like we know, we know Guardiola by now, and particularly this season. And look, I'm opening myself up to looking stupid here, but I'd be amazed if Aguero starts. Like it's it's the false nine. It's all the midfielders in the world. Keep the ball, play it safe, keep it tight. Try and force a chance if there's one there, but don't really try and force it if it's not. That's how it's going to be. You know, Rod, you know the fact that Fernandinho came off as well. People are thinking. Kind of understandably, oh, maybe Fernandinho will play, but uh, again, I'd be really surprised. Rodri just seems to be one of those blokes who doesn't need a rest. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Rodri, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Mares Foden. Thanks for coming. It's got to be Walker. And, like, like <laughs> to be fair to Walker, like, he got a bit of good press, didn't he, after the, the first leg? But, like, a couple of months ago, when Cancelo was doing his great stuff from right back and then going up into midfield and, and beyond. It was like people didn't want to see Carl Walker ever again. It was like just stick with this. Um, <laughs> Guardiola brought him back in mainly around the Everton game, wasn't it? In the league when he brought Walker and Laporte back in, and fair play to Walker. Like he's just, he, I can't think of them playing PSG without Walker. Yeah, in the second leg of a Champions League semi final, you can't say fairer than that. And then it'll be Stones and Diaz most likely, and then yeah, it comes down to the left back, and I think it'll probably be Zinchenko. So yeah, maybe a predictable eleven. The the thing is, well, in fact, should we should we talk about that? Like, well, I, I was gonna I was gonna kind of tap, tap into this. Maybe we've just had the same thought at the same time. It because what I was what I was interested in is almost that element of of 
how you look at, at Guardiola's eliminations from the Champions League and there's always been something. There's always been something. And this year, it's almost like he's just gone, this is my strongest eleven for this game. We'll play how we play. That's it. Let's do it. Let's not care about what they're going to do. We'll have a little yeah. bit of cover. We'll we'll kind of, we'll adapt slightly because we know what Neymar and, and, and Mbappe can do. But Manchester City are going to impose themselves on this game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was the Guardiola equivalent of the Mike Bassett, we're going to play 4-4 fucking 2. Like, yeah. we're going to play our way. We're not going to adapt to this or that or the other. And yeah, yeah, he talked about it a couple of times in his press conference before the game. And we've seen that over the two Dortmund games in the PSG game now. It's like, okay, well, this is what we can do. And also, I think the second half performance probably showed City that as well. They were like, okay, we do need to give due respect to Mbappe and Neymar and Di Maria and like a lot of other stuff. But they probably thought, okay, well, they need to respect us as well. Let's do this. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's the situation they're at now. And look, maybe if they, maybe if they get to the final, Guardiola will do something mad, and he'll be back to the overthinking things. But it, it seems to be the case that he knows what he knows what's working, and he's sticking with it. Yeah. the The other kind of interesting aspects for this uh, second leg, Sam, is. Um, I, I feel like we we know going into it that PSG have to score twice. Um and that is I guess that could be the little bit of the dynamic that that affects how Guardiola sets up because if he's he's never been in this position really other than this season where he's been in control of these knockout ties at the at, at the midway point other than that Monaco game and that Monaco game was I mean the first leg was so mad that you know you kind of rule it out on that on that instance. Yeah. Um so like it's almost as if he has to fight himself. Do, do you know what I mean? He's got to he's got to go into this because he knows like the sensible thing to do is not give anything stupid away because you're winning two one. You've got your two away goals. Don't give them a chance to score any of their goals because if PSG score early, that's a that's that's the moment where you start to where, where the butterflies start to arrive in the in the tummy sort of thing. So don't give them any opportunity. Keep them at arm's length, but. The way City play and the way that they play best is to not do that. Uh, it's to not well, set up not... to do that. Do you know what I mean? No, but I mean how they've set up all season and especially in these games is don't yeah keep it keep it tight. You know, play with the ball, keep the ball, but yeah, keep like don't open up those spaces. Stay close together. Don't rush your passes. Get everyone in the right position. And look, that will create chances as well. But they're not going to push. They're not going to. They're not going to play like risky passes to make that happen they'll keep it tight and keep it closed and I th- to be fair I do think it's, it's kind of one hand washes the other in that sense and that's the yeah. beauty of the approach this season and that's the difference um, not scored as many goals as you might expect in the Premier League not just because they haven't got a clinical striker and not just because the the first few games of the season let the side down a bit but because Guardiola's like, as a fact is happier um, to to keep the games tight if they need to be, or you know, he's happy, he's more comfortable with the games being tight, and he's more confident with it. So I think I think that's the way City can go into it, and it's it doesn't. I don't think it requires any kind of change of mentality or setup because look, f- for a start, you mentioned the Monaco game, but Guardiola sent them into it, saying, "Well, look, we play the same way. We go out on the attack, and they but just didn't do it. They yeah. weren't re- they weren't really used to that. Didn't really do it, and it didn't really go well, but." It will be well. We'll we'll approach this game the same way we approached the first, the same way we approached Dortmund, the same way we approached every game basically, Um, apart from you know like Palace and Leeds and Chelsea because it was a different lineup really. But I mean broadly, it's still the same thing. Yeah, it's a different shape, of course, to those games I just mentioned. But it's the same. It's the same thing. So no, I don't think there's any real dilemma there. Um, But the only thing you mentioned about it being them needing two goals is 
and this is the apologies for the second leg vibes but when he was talking after the the first game about how the players were maybe a bit nervous because you know they because PSG had scored three goals at, at Bayern and four goals at Barca I was like oh god they have they're good away from home like they're really <laughs> good away from home and that might that you know that'll be a bit of a worry but at the same time City won't really approach the home game any differently to their approach to the away game I'm sure of it and it's not like there's any fans there to kind of like spur them on and say come on lads like City can play the game at their own pace anyway so I'm sure they'll be hoping that there's no real difference yeah home versus away because obviously if there was then it would suggest that PSG would carry more of a threat so City just need to carry on and do what they do yeah, um, I don't know if you ever see it. Uh, Gaz, uh, our mate on Twitter, often says about uh, when it comes to, to City and set pieces, and especially corners, because we all we all say City can't take corners, and then they always get it. They always try and whip it into the near post, and it gets nodded away quite easily. But I think PSG proved his point that yeah. if you get it over the head of that first man with a bit of whip, it is dangerous as hell, and that's what we're. That's that's uh, genuinely. I never thought I'd be coming out of that first leg going, "Well, PSG are, are, are going to offer the biggest threat from set pieces that I've seen." At the Etihad for a long time yeah and that was part of my kind of first half analysis just in the sense that in terms of the tactical setup it wasn't great but it wasn't like they kept getting rinsed on the counter-attack or conceded a load of chances it was just a set of pieces but then obviously as far as 180 minutes of football goes if you concede three or four set of pieces then you're going to be in trouble um so yeah that's obviously something that City will kind of have to look out for but I think there's probably the element of you can prepare for these things and you can be told that about these things and you can and you can work on stopping them but until it actually happens to you you probably don't have quite the same intensity with it maybe i look yeah. maybe i'm doing them a disservice but the fact that that's happened the fact that he ran off gundawan and he wasn't able to block him enough gundawan will for the second leg be thinking well i can't let that happen again so there might be an element of okay well it's really happened we need to be on our toes i'm sure they'll work on it an awful lot well, I don't know, actually. I don't know how much time they'll actually have, but they'll certainly know. they'll certainly be showing the videos. Um, the, the cutest and, you know, thing about that goal, though, was was the block on Diaz, because Diaz would have made the header to clear it had he been able to yeah. get there. And like it, it's, it goes completely under the radar that actually you just can't get there because there is a, a great blocking run from... I can't remember who it was, but it was one of the one of the PSG um, attackers just made sure that Diaz would not get to that ball once, um, once the runoff Gundogan had happened. Yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff, like don't let it happen again kind of thing or watch out for this so yeah so it's it's going to be a threat but also you might think City <laughs> this is kind of the positive spin on losing 2-1 away from home it's like the positive spin is they know what to look out for now yeah yeah um you mentioned the Aguero thing Sam let's let's pivot over to uh, to Aguero because um obviously the, the like you say the Q&A was filled with uh, with suggestions that he could play a role against PSG. Uh, I think both me and you would be utterly astounded if it was from the start. Um, yeah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, but yeah, coming that, off the bench, maybe. Yeah. But that goal, I mean, the goal <laughs> the, the goal of the week, that, that was a proper next goal, wasn't it? You you actually said to me next when it went in. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would like to think that people who follow me on Twitter, even though I wasn't tweeting this weekend, would would know that that's why I, I would have tweeted had I been around. Um yeah. Just, um, and I know it's like a really easy conclusion to draw, but it's the kind of goal that other City players don't really score. I know Mares and Foden are capable of scoring from outside the box, and we keep talking about Foden's capacity to do amazing things. Um, well, De Bruyne in previous seasons, not so much this season, but it's just that, like the commentators were saying afterwards, you know, it wasn't even a half chance kind of thing. It, it's not a shot that others would have taken on, and 
it's yeah, it's a bit of a reminder of what they'll be messing with Aguero, but it's also a bit of a reminder of what they need from other people because yeah, games like that, like it's it's fine to deserve your goals and have loads of XG and go okay, we we worked really hard for this and that and the other, and we created all this, but. Like, how many times do we talk about Dortmund over the two legs? Oh, if Haaland scores out of nothing. That can be the difference in these games. Yeah. And it still might be the difference on, on Tuesday night. So, yeah, more goals are that required. And, yeah, just it's just good for Aguero, basically, because, look, it, without that, it'd have had three goals this season, two of them penalties, two of them in the Champions League group stage. Um, Just, it's, like, it's no way to go out. And, look, the other nine years are going to mean that it's not a tarnish on his legacy at all. But it's nice that... When you look through the season, there's a there's a good goal there, and there's a there's a, there's a semi well, there's a meaningful goal there. It, it's not as I wrote this in the article. It's not the QPR goal. It's not the goal at Burnley two years ago, where it really, really, really meant something because the games just aren't that tense. But it was look if United Liverpool play on Monday and and they win the title then, then it'll be that Aguero goal takes on more significance, and it's just nice for fans and for him to to actually have something to. You know, when the season is looked back on, however it's looked back on in the weird circumstances, he, he will be there doing something recognisably Aguero-like. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna kind of dive into the hypothetical again now, Sam, because um, let's say, for argument's sake, that he doesn't get on the pitch against PSG because it's a comfortable game, City win, and they get their way through to the final in you know with, with no major drama in that in that second leg, and then Aguero plays pretty much every Premier League game till the end of the season. And maybe maybe he scores in all but one of them, or maybe he scores in them all, I don't know. And he, he and he's, he, he looks like he's starting to get a little bit more fitness back. The Champions League mm. final comes along, and obviously, again, like like with the PSG game, maybe he's not in the starting lineup, but he comes off the bench and, 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 yeah. and plays a little bit of a part. Is that a sign that, they're, that, that City may well come back and say, well, maybe another year is a possibility? Or... Is it better for him to leave in that instance, having having proved that he can still do it this season over the knee injury? I think probably a lot of it depends on how far they've got down the line of buying another number nine. Um, because like, it would be important context if they go, you know what, we're not going to pay what they want for Haaland, we're not going to pay what they want for Kane. This guy is doing better than we thought. Keep, let's keep him around. I mean, I, do, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but in this hypothetical situation, I, I, oh, I don't know. I do feel like, like this is just me, and this is because I'm reacting to the situation and the reality. So I'm, I'm to- trying to talk about hypothetical, but I'm actually thinking about the reality. And the reality is, he is going. The reality is, they have decided that he's not quite up to it anymore. Whether that's partly because they know they can get a replacement in or partly because he really really isn't up to it anymore. And look, I know there's been comments over the last 24 hours, oh, fitness is there and that kind of thing. But it's like, as much as it was a really good goal, like it doesn't yet change anything. So yeah, if we get to the end of the season and he has scored a load more, then it's a conversation to be had. But the time is moving on, so let's move on. But it, obviously that's not really my call to make because I'm not a fan. But Yeah, but it's, I mean, is there a situation where City do change the mind or is that it? Is it done and dusted and over? Well, I don't know. I mean, nobody's nobody's suggested that. And like I said, I think I've said before, I've definitely said before, there's um, people very close to him who, who know what they're doing by passing this message on to media, um, pointing out that, it, it was purely Guardiola's decision and they're really pissed off and, and this, that and the other. And obviously the club are saying well, privately, you know, it's it, it was a club decision and we think it's the right time, etc. So 
It would be interesting, and like this, it's the it's the weird dynamic with with Guardiola and Aguero again. Because obviously, if you listen to Guardiola yesterday, you'd think there's no way he wants this guy to go, like how he was talking. Um, so, I mean, if you're going by all the public stuff, then you'd think it's not too late, is it? Like, it's, I've had a flashback to David Brent when he's saying like don't make me redundant and they're like wheels are in motion or whatever. but like the wheels don't have to be in motion surely like i'm sure they could but yeah it, it depends on how much it's related to other number nines and look he might he might just not be that fit but you know he can score he can score a goal against palace fine but you know, people are like oh we can still be back up next season it's like on this evidence not really because you can't be a backup if you're not available like it doesn't matter that's not how yeah. backups work um so i mean i i guess we'll have to see I, I mean, I'm not going to rule it out 100%, but it seems unlikely. It seems like it's been made now. Would, would he sign a contract if it was offered, though? That's Because that's, that's a different side of this, isn't it? Like, obviously, Well, he it, wanted it, to stay, I think, so... But, I mean, having been told, no, it, there's no contract yeah, offering... unless he thinks, like, bollocks to you, I'm, I'm going to go. But um, Which, I guess, is possible. And, you know, he might... In, you know, the way that things change, and, you know, he's... He's had an offer from Barca or whatever, and he might be thinking, you know, he might be looking forward to going to Barca for argument's sake. And he's thinking, well, I would have stayed at City if you'd offered two months ago, but you know, now I've, you know, wheels are in motion actually that I'm going to buy this house next to Messi. I'm, you know, I'm going to move into Suarez's old place or whatever, and I'm looking forward to it. So, may, so the, the, there's poss- there's pop- possibly that element to it as well. Um, but like, if City did say, actually, we do want you to stay, this is the money you'd earn. It's the same as before or whatever. And he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay, I can see that. Then, yeah, hypothetically, it's all right. But I don't know. I certainly wouldn't want to be getting anyone's hopes up about it because I, I do, I do think that's pretty unlikely. Yeah, I did see a funny tweet though this uh, this weekend of uh, a West Ham uh, fan had, had uh, um, photoshopped Aguero into a West Ham kit, and the quote on I mean, it was uh, was uh, is anybody is anybody saying no? And the, the reply to that was Aguero, mate. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, it's very yeah, very yeah. strange, very strange. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Obviously, just before we move on from uh, from PSG and uh, and Aguero, Sam, like we say, probably he's probably not going to be involved in the game. Um, like in, in terms of City and the Champions League and their progress in the Champions League now, one of the things that I mean, e- even if City don't get through this tie and something mad happens in the second leg, and you know, it, mm. so, so the ball, the bounce of the ball doesn't happen for them, and it goes in, and and that's it, it's game over, whatever. There is, it feels like it's been a different Champions League campaign for City this season. It feels like a much more mature campaign, if that's the right word. Yeah, so I mean, if we are going to go down this kind of grim prospect of of PSG going through, um, obviously, like, there'd be a big kickoff, obviously. There'd be a big sense of, how have you let that go? Like, 
let's not kid ourselves, the reaction would be brutal. But going into next season, it wouldn't be the same as this because this year was, you're not going to do another Leon, are you? You're not going to let it happen again. And obviously Dortmund were kind of prime candidates for that, weren't they? You know, Not a top-tier team, but good enough on the break and could do damage. And there was always the worries about that and that, oh, maybe City are going to have a stinker or whatever. But I, I do think that even if you know the worst were to happen on Tuesday night, next season it would be like, yeah, more mature. And, and they go, okay, well, they may have messed up against PSG in the second leg, but they did brilliantly to get there. They did look much more sure of themselves. And rather than, I think next season, again, if this were to happen and it's kind of worst case scenario, but they'd be thinking, okay, well, semifinals again then? Or final next year then? Rather than, are you going to mess up with the quarterfinals? Guardiola's got this to prove himself, you know. The players, this, that, and the other. City have never done this. Is it ever going to happen? They've got over that hurdle. And I think even the performance against PSG in the first leg, yeah, there's a maturity there where I think the mentality going into it next season would be fine, semi-final again, final again then. Yeah, which definitely wouldn't have happened. And I think that does mean that there has been a kind of a shift, really, in City's Champions League evolution as they've gone on. And also, like as we were saying, you know, Guardiola, I think he, he said before the game, he's learned from his mistakes. I think... He was probably referring to some of the the tinkering. Maybe, maybe he's maybe even he's buying into the overthinking theory. I might be wrong on that. Um, but the way he's picking these consistent lineups and the way he's playing this this sort of game, which seems to be working, is you wouldn't have those doubts of is he going to do something mad if they play a Leon again? You know, yeah. I think things next season, whatever happens on Tuesday night, whatever happens in Istanbul or wherever the finals played, um, things are different for the, in the Champions League now. And it's it's weird because I I look at it and kind of I I, I take a, a more of a um, I, I hate using this word around city but it's the right word for it so so prepare for it everyone but it's uh, I, I take a more holistic view of uh, okay. uh, of how city's progress in the Champions League has gone because if you look at, at at the Guardiola sample size which is obviously the last well including this season is, is is five seasons isn't it it looks very very stagnant and very flat but if you look at it from city's arrival in the Champions League and you pull out out to the the kind of the ten years or so it's it's been there. Every there's there's notable steps and 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 the, the trend is always upwards. And that's 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 kind of how I'm feeling a lot more positive about the performances in the competition this season. The first couple of years they were in the groups, they got tough groups, they got knocked out. Fine, it happens. They got through to the knockout stages and they got taught a lesson by Barcelona. Okay, there we go. It's it's the sort of thing that happens. They then you know got a couple of nice draws in the in in the knockout phase, got through to the semi final. And let's be honest, that route to that semi final under under Pellegrini. It was a fairly, it was a, it was a really nice route for him to get there. And as soon as they came up against anybody of any of any decent kind of nous and, and knowledge in the in the Champions League, they didn't they didn't even score a goal in that in that semi final. So okay, yeah. that's you know it's it, it, it's nice progress, but you can't look at that to build on for next season, especially with the change in manager, especially with 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 the change that City were going to go through at that point, um, and especially with the, the performance in the in the Premier League that year was pretty bad as well. Um, then Guardiola comes in, changes the style of play. They get out the groups each year; it's fine. But the the Monaco game happens, and we all go, "Oh, it's a you know, it's regression." They keep having this this quarterfinal hurdle. But then this season, you look at, at like you said there about him having learned from his mistakes, and soon now you look at how they've dealt with this semi final compared to the last time they dealt with that semi final. They feel a lot more grown up and a lot more aware of what they need to do in this competition, and just like. Like we say, if worst case scenario comes along and they don't win the Champions League, well, they don't even get to the Champions League final this season. You feel like they're like whoever they come up against, 
they they are fully prepared for what what they're going to face in this instance and you have to you have to have the look and i and i always say in the i've always said in, in in previous years city haven't been knocked out by the bad luck that they've had by the poor refereeing decisions they've been knocked out by their inability to bounce back from it and what i mean by that is yeah mo salah should have been flagged offside for that first goal at, at anfield but he wasn't and then you suddenly 3-0 down 10 minutes later that that can't happen this year they have had the bounce of the ball. That Jude Bellingham goal should have stood, for instance. Like the um, yeah. uh, th- those little things, they have gone in City's favour and they've taken advantage of it. And that's that is what is filling me with so much more confidence at the moment. And to the point where now I'm looking at this second leg with PSG and thinking, I don't see any real reason why City can't go out there and just control this game, get themselves through to the final with no major dramas. And this is this is something that I would never have dreamed of saying even like six eight months ago. Yeah, I think basically the, the the easiest way for me to put it across is he's kind of he's taken that form from the the league into the Champions League, that consistency. And there was always a difference. I mean there always has been a difference, you know, it's always always a cup competition, anything can happen. But Guardiola's whole management is about dominating those tiny variables and the things he can't control. He works so hard to control them. And that's why the league campaigns you know, the team scores so many goals, they get so many points, so many wins. And we've seen that in the Premier League, but he's never managed to replicate that in the Champions League. But look, there's no difference now between the league performances and the Champions League performances. They play the same, more or less, the same, it's the same way. They're, con- they're controlling the games now much better in Europe. And yeah, it took five seasons for Guardiola to get there, but that's what they're doing. They're controlling those games and it's just it's just like the league form. And like you said, um, you look at it and it maybe doesn't jump out um, against our previous seasons or whatever, but I think that's the point. Like It's just so steady and so consistent now and Gladbach over two legs, like a non-event from a football, you know, the fans of other clubs won't have been looking at that tie with any interest Yeah, because City just a- went absolutely right. Absolutely no drama through, in it. Yeah, And we're going to do it. And even the, like they managed the two legs over Dortmund like, brilliantly well. Like I said, there was a bit of a, a bit of luck with the with the Bellingham goal, and they weren't entirely convincing in that first leg against Dortmund, but then the second leg, going behind, just completely went right, okay, and they came from behind to win a game, which famously they're not great at doing, and that's you know, that's now been a thing. They've done that three times in two weeks, twice in the Champions League, and yeah, now the same with with PSG. So you've got you've got the tactics coming together in the sense of how they use the ball and how they play, and the control that that gives them, but also the mentality, which is a new thing. Because we knew they could play football. They've been playing football for fantastic football for years and it's been enough to win the Premier League. But it's not been enough to win in the Champions League. But that mentality side of it, even after they recovered the football after last season, you know, not being great and this season start of it being arguably worse than last season, recovered that fine. But the mentality side of it is new. And that's something that yeah. we probably wouldn't have even known two or three weeks ago until yeah. they started going a goal down and coming back and winning in big games that really mattered. And they've done it three times in two weeks. So yeah, it's all it's all together. Listen, they might go out against PSG. They might go out in the final, and or they might get to the final and, and, and lose it. But it fe- it does feel different, and that's that's ultimately what I'm happy with it, in terms yeah. of progress this season. Um, but I mean, look, like I mean, we've talked about this, that, and the other. But if they do get through on Tuesday night, I mean, I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll be able to scramble to do a podcast on on Wednesday morning, maybe Tuesday night, um, and then we can and then we can talk about all the other brilliant things. And yeah, <laughs> speculate who's going to be in the in the final. I guess. Um, I kind of think, just as a very quick aside, I kind of think everyone's talking about Chelsea. And I saw somebody in the comments, maybe it was just a bit of a fan of another team, because it did kind of come across as in a bit of sense. 
But they're like, oh, Chelsea would beat this in the final. I was like, what are you on about? Like, Chelsea were good for 30 minutes against Real Madrid. Then Madrid scored from a corner. They had one counter-attack and they reshuffled at half-time and didn't have anything. I kind of feel like, although Chelsea were in the driver's seat, I kind of feel like they blew a chance. Um, and I wouldn't be... And I, to be honest, I prefer... Well, I, I prefer um, City to play Real Madrid. Maybe just because it's... Uh, you don't want to. I just don't. You don't want to play another English team, especially if they were to like for argument's sake. If they were to move the final to Wembley and they played Chelsea, that would just be crap. It wouldn't feel like a Champions League final, like. So I, yeah, I, I would, I would like, I would like them to play Real Madrid, and I, I think there's a decent chance of that happening. I feel like Chelsea were very good, but they just lacked a bit of nous in the end. And if Madrid turn up or are clinical, then it'd be much harder for them, even even though it's at the Sanford Bridge. But I mean, well, we'll see. And hopefully, we were talking about that Wednesday morning. I was going to say, let's not get ahead of ourselves here because yeah, there is yeah. there is still a PSG tie to be won. Um, the the interesting thing as well is that 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 one way or another on Tuesday night, history will be made. Either City will make their first uh, Champions League final, or they will be the first English side to take an away lead from uh, the first leg of a knockout game in the Champions League and get knocked out. Forty-seven times English teams have taken a a, a lead from the away leg and. Uh, 47 times they've gone through so uh, there is there is history to be made either way so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah let, let's go for the good kind it's a very city way to think about it um, final word I know we did uh, the leaked uh, home kit on last week's show Sam uh, oh, but yeah. final word on uh, this week's show is going to that leaked third kit because like <sighs> Like since since that week, I mean, holy hell, my expectations were low. But goodness grief, how what what what? Like it's like like literally that third kit. The fact that it says Man City across the front of it, it's almost like, you know those times where you, you hear of situations where um, so, uh, like creative people have gone to the like the board members with a pitch and they've just got placeholder text in and, the, and the, they've gone, oh yeah, no, that yeah. looks great, keep it. And you're like, well, no, it's just placeholder text. It's just, honestly, we'll put something in there when, when no, no, keep it, I like that. It feels like that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I know people don't even like the very fact that it says Man City rather than Manchester City. Well, obviously that's the that's the official website, so that's the way it's going. But yeah, it's the 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 two words that keep coming back to me is from from Kieran on on Twitter. Just he keeps replying to that. Well, quote tweeting anything with the new city kits. He just says vile garment, <laughs> <laughs> and like it just. I, I I do have to agree to be fair, and like like lads, I, I know people are resistant to change, and I know when Apple change all their connections and make people spend more money on connections it's like okay at least there's something you know that's that is going to be the future but like you need to have a badge on a football shirt lads like you need a badge on it and i know they've kind of they've embedded it haven't they they've embroidered it into the fabric and they've probably got 1894 city badges on it or something like <laughs> some kind of uh, special meaning but it's but uh, but uh, to be the worst thing for me is because i talked last week about how you know, a lot of thought goes into these kits and um, a lot of research and stuff and they, they do appeal to different markets and things. But one of the, so, and that that was made clear to me when I spoke to people from City and Pope, people from Puma um, last last summer and they explained the kits this year and I said that, you know, the, the second and third kits this year, I actually quite like them. Um, but they said, look, we're not going to name names, but other brands, they just, do template kits they are the same for all the clubs and the fans don't feel that special and you know we're at city and we you know people might not like the kits but we're doing something that's specific to city but this third kit where it says man city it's the same template as like marseille and ac milan and loads of other puma I saw, shirts so i they, saw dan burke say that italy have got that in the euros as well 
Yeah, but there, there was, there's genuinely like four or five mock-ups of those kits for four or five different clubs. And yeah. it's like, well, like you can't even sell it on, oh, we're, we're trying something new and special. So, yeah, I mean, that's a big miss from me. Um, I, I don't like it at all. The, the the thing is, I mean, between now and next week, God only knows what could happen with this leak. If there's a leak of the uh, of the away kit, but like, if if anybody from Puma or from City is listening to this, please just give us red and black stripes. Please, I'm begging you. Yeah, it's red and black. Yeah, stripes. somebody said somebody said on the, on the Q and A, they said it's close to being a, a community shield against a team that wears blue. So hopefully, Puma make a red and black stripe um, kind of you know one off kit like they did with the with the classic blue one from a couple of years ago. And I mean, yeah, that would be great. And you wouldn't put it past them to do it. But um, yeah, yeah that, the third kit. I mean, between the first one, which isn't great, and the third one, which is awful, to be fair. Um, I can't think of what the second one's going to be. Although actually I saw a concept earlier, but it was, you know, normally concept kits are, this is what a designer has made and don't they look great. But it, the one I saw seemed to be a, this is a concept kit based on leaks. And it didn't look too bad. It was white and it had kind of, I mean, this is going to sound awful, but it does look right. Kind of pink and purpley kind of trim and patterns around the sleeves and stuff. So that would be that would be the best of the of the three, really. I'm open um, to it, but so imagine I, winning I, the Champions I, League final in. Imagine I, I, winning the Champions yeah. League back to back next year in that third kit. Imagine oh uh, uh, no. No, I'd rather no, no. Just eliminate yourselves, lads. Don't, don't, don't lift the trophy in that in that case. <laughs> well, you no, you're you're the it. fan, and you said it. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, we'll find out if City uh, if City are in the Champions League final on uh, Tuesday. Like Sam says, if uh, if they make it there, we may scramble together something for you. So uh, join us again next time for another White Always Us. I'm David Mooney. Thanks as ever to Sam Lee. Yeah, thanks very much. And enjoy on Tuesday night, which will be never, very difficult to do. Never going to happen. I'm, I know I said that last time. Yeah. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Uh, you can sign up to The Athletic right now for £3.99 a month for six months. Just use the code MANCITYPOD. The Athletic.